Hey guys, this is Joe. If my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Eric. Lorraine, you are my density. He doesn't know it yet, but he's about to become the world's first time traveler. This is nuts. Back to when his mother was a teenager looking for love. It's an absolute dream. Whoa, this is heavy. Back to when his father needed a little push. I'm your density. I was wondering if you were born. Meet Marty McFly, the first kid ever to get into trouble before he was even born. Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to the Future. Rated PG. Now at select theaters, check newspapers. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, Eric. Not too bad. Going through a uh, an editing binge right now, as you know. So hopefully we'll get these episodes out in the next consistently in the next three or four days so yeah joe had a i don't do any of the hard work for the podcast joe does all the hard work joe and joe had an it issue that like set him back it was a perfect storm because it, it set him back where we could record episodes but he couldn't publish them and where we were both been working from home a little bit we were recording more episodes we used to record one episode a week and we've been recording most of the time two episodes a week so Joe, and what was the most you had? At one point, I feel like you had like five episodes. We that, had, I think, five episodes, yep. Yeah, and, and you know, doing his best to dig himself out, but, you know, he, he, he publishes two, and then we record one or two, so it's just kind of like treading water, but, yeah, no. But we'll we, we, have, we have a goal. We have a goal to get this episode out for a certain date and the next episode out for a certain date, so we're going we're gonna to hit that goal. All right. Well, fingers crossed. So um, other than that, how's it going? Good? Yeah, actually, uh, have you seen, you've heard the show. I think we talked about in the past. Have you seen the, or heard of the show, Mr. Robot? With that, I've heard of it. Is it a cartoon? No, it's the... Uh, it's, oh, with Romeo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you brought it up before. Yeah, it's the USA show. I I watched it on TV when it was airing, and I, I, I love it. It's the most accurate portrayal of packing on TV that I've ever seen. And I'm going through a rewatch of that now with my brother. Nice. He's never seen it before, so it's kind of fun. This show is kind of like a bunch of like twists and turns throughout. So it's fun seeing someone's reaction who hasn't seen it yet as like the story unfolds in front of your eyes and that person's it's like that was that was like uh last year i think it was brie and i rewatched um and i had seen it she hadn't seen it we watched band of brothers on hbo and the last time i watched that was probably like 15 years it was a long time ago and so i had seen it and i remembered how great it was but if you haven't watched that in a while go back and watch it again because it's it's so powerful and watching it with someone like brie who isn't normally into like war movies and or war shows or that but that show is so much more than a a war movie or war show so she was that was fun that was probably the most fun i've had re-watching a show with someone who hasn't seen it so isn't isn't he in that in that show for like a scene or like a small character Malik or is he is that um the other series that came out to Banner Brothers Pacific the Pacific, Pacific. was he in that was he in the Pacific or Banner Brothers I don't Malik? remember I don't remember um there's a million people in um both of them but I don't know that I would know like I know what he looks like now and. But I, I don't know that he would have ju- he would jump out to me if you didn't me- if you didn't say hey he's in this episode I don't know if he would right he's I remember being a small role it, it was specific <laughs> okay 
So, yeah. But um, I haven't slept at all this week. Joe knows because my dog's a baby and uh, we've had thunder and lightning and he can't, he just can't deal with it. And so it's been miserable. But other than that, it's, everything's been good. Um, I found out that I'm not going back to work in the office until August, I think mid-August. So that kind of sucks. I'm about ready to go back to work. I'm not a work from home guy. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast, but um, I mean, obviously I'm glad that I have a job, but, uh, and I'm glad that my company's playing it safe and everything. I appreciate that, but I'm just working from home is not my thing. So yeah, I hope I get a date pretty soon just to kind of like solidify that. So I could, something to like not look forward to, but just to have it in the back of my mind because I hate being surprised. Well, mine was, mine was, they told us like a, a month ago that we are all going back. We're going to do it half and half. Half of us, we're going to go back on July 6th and then half of us, we're going to go back July 20th. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to be a part of the 6th because I'm in my department. I'm one of the newer guys, even though I've been there for a while. And I don't really, you know, I'm just easier than a lot of the people in my department. I don't really, I don't have kids. I don't, you know, so I figured I'd be going back to six, but then they told me I was going back the 20th and I was like, Oh wow. And then I enjoyed that for all of two days. And they told me I was going back in mid August. So, but you know, whatever, one more thing before we get into what we're watching and drinking today. Um, So we're recording this on June 30th of the hopes of releasing it on July 3rd. Um, You'll you'll be be listening to this on July 3rd. All right. So, but just to put in time, last night, uh, American comedic genius and legend Carl Reiner passed away, 98 years old. What a life. What I a legacy. Think, I still think that the Dick Van Dyke show is still hilarious in 2020. I love that show. Yeah, and we're not going to spend an hour talking about it, um, although you could spend days or weeks covering his life and his career. Still wouldn't be enough time, but regardless of your age, go back and look at it. even even if it's just looking at his imbb filmography or like joe said watching a couple episodes of the, of the dick van dyke show you know his legacy and and we're kind of both as an actor and a screenwriter and a director and um and as a person he was in world war ii he's kind of that we're you know we're really losing that greatest generation group of people and he was he was one of the best of the greatest generation, just as far as like talk about talent and yeah. just a well-rounded human being. So rest Absolutely. in peace, Carl Reiner, but yeah, what a life legend. Yep. So I um, got, I got to make go a kind of like really detour this conversation to a whole different direction. My chair is super squeaky tonight. So I'm going to try and sit super still as I record this. If you hear like creaking here and there, <laughs> just be aware my chair is a little squeakier than usual tonight. Don't move, Joe. <laughs> Don't move. So tonight, uh, it's my pick, and the reason we're trying to get out on July 3rd is there's kind of two reasons for it. Half of it, it's my birthday, uh, and we are watching, we're reviewing Back to the Future, um, my favorite movie of all time, I think. It's, I, it's tied with another one, but I'll get into that later. But, and and uh, I found a beer. I told Joe before we started recording, it was kind of a last-minute scramble i found this beer called drinking future drinking future glow ipa from burlington local brewery burlington beer co love it um but um yeah we're, we're reviewing back to the future um i said this last week but i i think it's my favorite movie of all time and it could be tied with that other film which we'll eventually review but if i had to give an edge it would be back to the future because 
uh, it's more rewatchable. I think it's maybe the most rewatchable movie for me of all time. Um, and, and it's the 35th July 3rd when we hope to get this out is the 35th year anniversary of its release. So release. So I was born and back to the future were born on the same day. So it's just, you know, meant to be we're soulmates, my movie soulmate. <laughs> so <laughs> is that weird? No, actually it's, it's actually not, but, <laughs> yeah you're lucky you got a really great film as your uh soul i know little, it could be jealous. worse i'm a little jealous with that it could be worse the only other thing on july 3rd that i know of is um tom cruise's birthday i believe it's july 3rd which i like tom cruise i like a decent amount of his movies but he's kind of weird so he's not really someone that i want to be like oh i have the same birthday as tom cruise he's, cause... he's a weird dude but i i will say someday i hope we're able to review the newest mission impossible film have you seen that the, the newest, newest one? No. One? Yes. Oh, man. I like I like the Mission Impossible One of the best series. action films I've seen in recent memory. Dude, he's a psycho. He's, a, he's like he's, in a good, in a good I know. way. He's crazy, man. He really is. Right. So, um, I don't think we need to tell anyone that Back to the Future has been successful, but do you have any stats as far as how it did? or? I do. As I was looking at this, it's crazy that we went, we've gone through 20 episodes with Otto Zemeckis' film. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. Many, like down the uh, pipeline, and we this is our first Zemeckis film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Back to the Future came out on July third, nineteen eighty five, and had a budget of that's my favorite part of nineteen million, and ended up making three hundred eighty nine point <laughs> one million in the box office. Not a bad, not a bad run. Not a bad run. And this movie looks really good too for nineteen million dollars. Like this movie looks really good still. Oh, it looks great. Effects, so it looks uh, great. It was written by Zemeckis and uh, Bob Gale, and directed by Zemeckis himself. The film spent eight consecutive weekends as the number one grossing movie at the box office. So, like, this movie pretty much, right from the start, yeah, was in the care of a sequel, and then eventually a third film. It's insane. Right. Actually, like you said, it's not a whole lot of stats. Everyone kind of, like, knows, like, the basics. Yeah. Like, this movie is super successful. Merchandise galore. Games, movies, soundtracks. Yeah. Like, everything is just, like, it just, it's a whole brand at this point. And it's a whole brand, exactly. They could, they could re-release this movie in one of those things where for select theaters you can go watch all three in a row they the, did th- they did this recently yeah. they did the uh uh back to the future part two i think it was when they go back to the future right they had that for the anniversary i i bought tickets for that and i ended up calling my brother but uh they did that they released some movies at like certain days i'm sure they'll be doing it again for the right. anniversary at some point maybe and and they could keep doing that for 50 years and it'll sell out every time because um one thing i was thinking when we were watching it when i was watching it was it's a weird thing about 80s movies because on the one hand, like 80s fashion and cars and style is very, it's its own thing. But they also, in a weird way, kind of age better than any any other movie other than maybe the 50s, 60, 50s and 60s, but any other decade other than the 50s and 60s. But um, so financially, it did super, it did very well. Um, critically, same thing 8.5 out of 10 on imdb 96 percent on rotten tomatoes 87 percent on metacritics uh ebert gave it three and a half stars um and as as i was reading the reviews for the film i was thinking um this has to be one of those movies that makes you realize why it's great to be a film critic because i'm putting myself in you know now we look back on this movie and we're like oh my god it's one of the classics and blah 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 but if you put yourself in a film critic shoes in 1985 you're like so i'm going to sit down and watch a movie about a, a guy who turns a delorean into a time machine 
and like yeah it has it has michael j fox and zemeckis and christopher lloyd and all that stuff but it's about a time traveling delorean so and then you sit down for a couple hours and you love every second of it you just never know and it, it it's kind of the anti the movie to me that always bothers me not it's not the worst movie i've ever seen but the movie 300 it drives me crazy because it was the total opposite of back to the future where it had one of the coolest stories in the history of mankind and they turned it into just like a tool fest so this is like the opposite of that where if you re if you just read the box without or read the dvd cover without knowing you'd be like you made a movie but that just sounds like the stupidest movie of all time but it's one of the best. So, and I'll just leave it one more thing. I read a review from Adam Smith of Empire, and he says, to put it bluntly, if you don't like Back to the Future, it's difficult to, to believe that you like films at all. And that's pretty much, pretty much um, how I feel about it. So, that's great. Yeah. You, actually, no. you, you have uh, segued me into that DVD cover reading perfectly with that. Yeah, go ahead. So, go ahead. The year is 1985, but not for long. Because teenager Brian McFly is about to be blasted back to 1955, our brother plutonium-powered DeLorean created by eccentric genius Doc Emmett Brown. But when Mario accidentally keeps his parents-to-be from falling in love, it triggers a time-shattering chain reaction that could vaporize his future and leave him trapped in the past. Now, Mario's last hope is to change history. Before the clock runs out, his only chance to get himself back to the future. Yeah. Not that, not that I can read necessary for this movie, but... It's just so good. No, <laughs> it's, it's great. So good. It's great. So um, before we get into first memory and everything like that, a couple quick notes of other stuff that were going on at this time. We talked about the first thing that happened on July 3rd, 1985, which is the birth of Eric. You know, that that's a big one. That's probably the most important thing. Other things that went on um, in July of 85, Nolan Ryan gets his 4,000 strikeout, first to do it. Uh, the Live Aid concert at Wembley um, for African famine relief that was in july of 85 um something that's a little bit more i mean it's it's known but it's a little bit more known around here close to new hampshire new hampshire teacher krista mcauliffe uh selected as the first teacher to fly aboard a space shuttle unfortunately that had a rough result but at the time when it was announced it was it was a big deal so um and then coca-cola introduces their new coke and then quickly bailed on it. I don't. I didn't really read the whole backstory, but I know they released a new version, and then everyone jumped down their throats about it. So they they bailed on it. So, um, what do you think of when you think of this movie? What's your first memory? Uh, I'm gonna sort of rehash what I said about our with our Indiana Jones review. This is one of those movies that my dad owned on VHS and a film I would always see at my uncle's house when going when I went over there. Two people who didn't have a whole ton of movies in their collection. But they always they had this one, they had Indiana Jones, and they had the one we're going to be talking about next episode, which is kind of, it's kind of perfect. Yep. I watched this when I was young on VHS, and I've been in love with it since. Uh, the series, the memorabilia, the merchandise, I, I still buy it all. It's always been a part of my life, and it always will be part of my life. Yeah, I, I kind, of, um, kind of the same thing. It, it was always a constant for me growing up. Um, I watched it quite a bit, to, but to be honest, I think I fell in love with that the most when I was like an early teenager I started hanging out with a friend of mine Matt and he loves this movie and we would always quote quote it and you know the quote I said at the beginning of the episode the Lorraine you are my density uh 1.21 gigawatts and then we'd always be like 
the Libyans and just say stuff like that. And I think people probably thought we were weird because, you know, we are weird and whatever. But um, I already liked this movie, but I think it jumped to another level when I was like an early teenager. And I always loved Michael J. Fox. Um, and he, I think I think it's a horrible thing when people get dealt a crap card like he's been dealt. Um, but I also think that to deal with it the way that he has dealt with it and just do what he can to improve everything and do it with a smile on his face. And um, so he's just a very likable guy. He's and, and inspiring. Yeah. He's so he inspiring. really is. He is. And, and, and I also love how a lot of the cast hasn't run away from this film. They haven't, they haven't, you know, some people, sometimes you get a big movie. It was one of your first movies and you, you want to kind of get past it. Cause you don't always be known as you don't always want to be known as the guy from this or the girl from that. I love that this movie has a cult following. I mean, it has a popular following too, but it has like a diehard cult following that I think I'm part of and that the the guys don't, the guys and girls aren't ashamed of it. Like I, I read a thing about Thomas F. Wilson who plays Biff and how he has, um, this is just a, something I read. So whether or not it's hundred percent true, I don't know, but he has a card full of, um, like back to the future frequently asked questions that he keeps in his wallet. And when people run up to him and they're like, Biff, Biff, and they just start rambling off like stupid, well, not stupid, but fan questions about Back to the Future. He'll like be very nice to them, but he'll give them a card, which I think that's almost funnier than than actually asking him the questions. That it's just you, you know, that's how popular this movie is. So, um, I, you know, obviously, I love this movie. So, and like even like like you said, even like Michael J. Fox is going through some health problems. Uh, he's still partakes in like conventions like he still is super cool with the fandom like he loves the fans like it's it's always cool seeing him make like surprise appearances at a convention or he was on i think one of the late night shows a few years ago with christopher lloyd maybe for the third anniversary it's just like they're so cool like and they still love the back to the future like you said the movies and the fans yeah he's he's a guy who Every time I see, uh, every time I watch this movie, I just, I just smile, and it's kind of the same thing about Michael J. Fox, which is, t- it's, it means a lot. Given like, you know, when you see him now, he's obviously his, his conditions progress and everything, but he always smiles, and it's kind of, it kind of puts you in this spot where you're like, if that guy can walk around and have a positive attitude, and I actually saw him. I, I bought my dad. I, saw, I think I might have brought this up on the podcast, but as I've brought up before, I'm very proud Canadian American and Michael J. Fox is Canadian. And she bring this up at least once every episode. Somehow you find a way to sneak it in there. I, well, he was on this, do- I'm prom- promoting another documentary. I, there was a documentary called being Canadian. Um, and it has like Seth Rogen, Colby Smulders, um, a few other people. Does Reynolds make an appearance? Ryan Reynolds? No, he does. Cause I think, I don't, I don't know if he, is I don't he know why he Okay. <laughs> no, no, he's he's not fake, but I don't know why if he if he was just but Michael J. Fox is 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 in it, and I thought I was like that's cool, man, that he, because you know some of the people in it are like like Colby Smulders or whatever from uh, How I Met Your Mother, she's a celebrity, but she's not like a top tier celebrity. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool that Michael J. Fox took, like Mike Myers is in it. So, but uh, but yeah. So speaking of of Mike Myers just to kind of touch on how some of the people were doing going into this film. Uh, Mike Myers, you can talk about his, I'm sorry, Mike, Michael J. Fox, not Mike Myers. Sorry. Uh, you can talk about his movies, but more important than, than the movies going into this film was family ties. 
uh, the TV show. And he was on Family Ties from 82 to 89. And like I said, that was kind of more important than his film work at this, at, at this point in his career. Um, he had Back to the Future and Teen Wolf in 85, Back to the Future 2 and 3 in 89 and 90. And then he actually started showing signs of his, his uh, condition, Parkinson's, in 91 while he was shooting Doc Hollywood. They had Homeward Bound in 93. And then since then, he's done a lot of voice work and, and you know, other stuff too, but. Did you ever see uh, Michael Chavon's one of my favorite actors? Like I said, I, I, before, we, before we're talking, I have like three autobiographies <laughs> I've read of him that, that were written by him. Did you ever watch the show uh, Spin City? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite shows. I, I loved that series. Isn't it weird how like, and Michael J. Fox is totally one of those these people, but you can, you don't you just feel like if you got into an elevator with Michael J. Fox, you could like, not, not like he'd give you an hour of his time, but you really believe that you could be like, hey man, I'm a big fan, and he would be like, if I like if I met Michael J. Fox and he was mean to me, it would crush my life. It would crush my soul <laughs> because I'm so I'm so to change convinced. your birth your birth certificate to like the fourth or something. Hold up. Yeah, no, because I'm, he just he just seems like such a genuinely good person. Absolutely and does. He's he's just so likable. Like, do you watch Kirby Enthusiasm? Have you yes. Seen Kirby? Yeah. So yeah. he makes a few guest appearances in one of the seasons, and he's full of himself you know just a crappy person but even as that character you still love Mike J Fox right he makes fun of himself he just he's just like you said if, if I run into him I wouldn't I wouldn't be nervous at all I'll say hi right I'd be like I'm not gonna bother you I don't want to take up much of your time but I just want you to know that I love you and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave now yeah exactly yeah enjoy your day um so yeah that was Michael J Fox heading into this movie Christopher Lloyd also had a, a pretty big TV show before this, Taxi, which did you ever watch Taxi? I haven't, no. Oh, I used to watch it on Nick at Night. I think it was Nick at Night back in the day growing up, but it's actually a pretty pretty good show, and it kind of, it's similar to Cheers and, like, just the situation was such a cool story, like, that, you know, a bunch of people that randomly worked for um, a cab company in New York city. So he had taxi. He was one of the guys on taxi. He had one flew over the cuckoo's nest in 75 star, a couple, uh, star Trek movie in 84, this and clue, which we have to do at some point. I clue love clue. Same. I, was, I remember I, loving clue. I actually almost asked you if you want to go to the chunkies screen of it last time I played, but I yep. didn't. So this, uh, next, time, next time, next time it comes, we're going to see clue. For I sure. For sure. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit in 88, Adam's family, family in 91, Dennis the Menace in 93, Angels in the Outfield in 94, and Camp Nowhere, which is another movie that we're definitely doing. Have you seen Camp Nowhere? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. And also Thomas F. Wilson Biff is in Camp Nowhere as well. So, oh, um, really? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, he plays, he plays the, the cop that's kind of like out to get them. I mean, it's out to get them as you can be in a movie like Camp Nowhere. But Oh, cool. um, I, I realize that. Yeah. Let's not forget the uh, hit "My Fair Martian" in 1999. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get up to 99. I was gonna write that down. Oh, are you gonna get to that? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Bob Zemeckis, uh, like you said, quite the career. Uh, 1941. That came out in 70. He had this, or 70. I don't know. It was 70. I, I wrote that down somewhere. But uh, this in 85. Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 88. Uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 at 89, 90, Forrest Gump in 94, Castaway in 2000, Polar Express in 04. And for a guy who, I mean, he's had a decent amount of movies, but his his uh, his total hit 
ratio. Like he has a lot. He has a decent amount of movies, but he has for the amount of films that he's made, a lot of them have been very successful, like record breaking successful. So yeah. Um, did you have a it was for, for random facts? You had one that you wanted to mention, I I, right? Yeah, I, I, this is from the one of the books I read a while ago. It was during filming of this movie. Fox, Michael J. Fox was rehearsing for Family Ties from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Then he would rush to the Back to the Future set where he would rehearse and shoot until 2, 3 in the morning. And this schedule lasted for two whole months. So just picture Michael J. Fox pretty much being overworked to move his career because he knew this was a great film. is just super inspiring. And, and that kind of ties into one of, maybe one of the greatest you know, casting how it would have changed things of all time. And, the, and it's, Michael J. Fox was the first choice to play Marty, but like Joe said, he was unavailable due to those scheduling conflicts. Um, so Zemeckis and Gale then cast Eric Stoltz as Marty. Um, and after six weeks of filming, they were like, we, this, we, we, can't, we can't do that. We can't do this. And thankfully, because of Michael J. Fox's... Um, like willingness to to go like to work like a madman uh they were able to to and they they told stoltz and stoltz kind of agreed and so they switched it up but what i was thinking when i was reading about that is can you imagine if eric stoltz sucked just a little bit less like if he was just like yeah this this guy's not great but it's only costing us 19 million to make this movie we'll get 70 million we'll do fine and you know so I, I think with your, like how much you're praising all this, you're praising this movie and I love it, obviously. I think it's safe to say like this movie wouldn't be a perfect film if anyone else but Michael Fox was in it. It wouldn't be right. perfect. And this no. Is, it's a perfect film right now. It is. And and I I also read, and now I don't know anything about Eric Stoltz. I know some of the other movies he's been in, um, but he, he, everything I read is that he's kind of, he was kind of a jerk on set too. Like Biff, um, uh, Thomas Wilson, who plays Biff, he, I've actually heard he's like one of the nicest celebrities, not that he's like a, you know, A-list celebrity, but I've heard he's a really nice guy and he had a problem with um, Stoltz to where the point, to the point where they almost like got physical. Um, I've heard Stoltz is kind of like, and this is just, you know, who knows? It's just stuff you read, but I heard he was kind of like hitting on Leah Thompson all the time and whatever. So, Imagine if you went from Michael J. Fox, who, like Joe said, there's no substitute for Michael J. Fox for this film, and then you went not only down but down to to that guy. That would have that would have been rough. But so there's a couple. Of, oh, you were gonna say something? Kind of. I don't want to derail this too much, but did you happen to see? Cause I, was, I was on top. I was on the bottom of my notes here. I, was, I missed it. Did you happen to see the uh, um, the reunion of Back to the Future with Josh Gad series we were talking about? He does no. like he does like he does like reunions with like he did Lord of the Rings. He did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He did one with um, Back to the Future recently. I did not. I'll he got Michael out. J. Fox. He got them all. He got the whole crew together. Yep, it's... that's awesome. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. So that was one casting possibility. Uh, Eric Stoltz as as Marty, uh, and a couple other ones were uh, people that were considered for Doc Brown. I have three of them: John Lithgow, Dudley Moore, and Jeff Goldblum. They were all considered for for Doc Brown, and someone that was considered for Biff is Tim Robbins. Can you imagine that? That's, I mean, I can, but it's like Biff's Biff. He's, he's Biff's Biff. And Doc's Christopher Lloyd. But I will yeah. say, 
I wouldn't mind seeing some like <laughs> if they were shot like not that they, they did, but I wouldn't mind seeing Jeff Goldblum. I'm just gonna see what he would look like in this role because he's so like sporadic and like jumpy. Like I love his his acting as well. <laughs> but no, of those Boy is the best though, obviously. Of those three, of Lithgow, um, Dudley Moore, and Goldblum, I would actually I think I'd like Jonathan Lithgow most out of those three. Dude, that's interesting. Even Dudley Moore I could see kind of being a fun right. actor in this role, right. but no, it's Christopher Lloyd though. He right. Oh no, yeah, he's he's Doc Brown. Both. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, I just have a we're doing like a little bit different for random facts. The thing about Back to the Future is there's you could you could do a four hour podcast reading like random trivia facts about Back to the Future. There's so many. So I tried to pick out just a couple of them that I thought were pretty cool, and then and then we have something from an article that I read um, that we're gonna get into. So. The, the, the couple other random facts, the inspiration for this film, I thought this is pretty cool. The inspiration for the film largely stems from Bob Gale discovering his father's high school yearbook and wondering whether he would have been friends with his father as a teenager. The, um, so he just kind of like read it and, and was, you know, looking at his dad when he was younger. And, and that's like, the, that's what this whole movie is about is, is you, I don't know, you, you, when you're a kid growing up, you never, like, I never thought of my parents in high school. You don't, you know, and like Marty has this image of his mom as like the most well-behaved, you know, never broke a rule lady. And clearly that goes out the window. So I thought that was just a cool, I love, I love finding out where ideas come from. And that was a cool one. So uh, the University of Southern California Film School, the writing class uses the screenplay for Back to the Future as the model for the perfect screenplay. So now that said, just to show you, like, it depends on who you talk to. When this film was being re- trying to be made, the script was rejected 44 times before it was finally greenlit. So, and that kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier about the critics and what you would think going into this movie. Like, you, I can't remove myself from where I am now and how much I love this film. But I, if I was able to, and someone was able to like wipe this from my memory, and then someone came out to me and said, "Eric, they're gonna. There's this movie where they time travel in a DeLorean." and whatever i'd be like get out of my face like you know it, it's 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 crazy but um writers bob gale and robert zemeckis actually received a fan letter from john delorean after the film's release thanking them for immortalizing this car which is 100 percent true if it wasn't for this film the delorean would be just another car that was made for a few years and then was wiped i was gonna say didn't, didn't that car stop being manufactured pretty pretty quickly oh yeah because john delorean went to jail for like that's right yeah i think it was like a combination of like embezzling and drugs and and whatever but there's actually a few dealerships in the country that sell um like refurbished or um like kind of worn out DeLoreans, but some of them are pretty good shape there's there's like one in florida one in texas i think there's four or five across the whole country so can you imagine owning delorean like uh, can I, I imagine I, it? I, I heard I heard it's a shitty car. <laughs> the reason I the reason I know about those dealerships is because I was googling it today. Like, how much would I have to pay for a DeLorean? <laughs> I was I I watched this movie. Happy birthday, treat <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, Br- well, Bree and I talked recently about how, like, a friend of mine, James, has this <clears throat> old, like, it's a perfect like '60s just cruiser car. Like, nothing. It's not a sports car. It's just like a comfortable, you know, perfect '60s car. And I said to Bree recently that if we ever got a home with like a bigger garage, I would totally 
invest in like that would be like my my hobby it's just nothing crazy expensive just like an old classic car to drive around in the summer and then i was watching back to the future i was like forget the cadillac i'm buying a delorean so i was looking i was looking online today and i was like oh that's a little bit out of my price range considering it's it's like a niche thing right but um and the last thing for my random facts before we get into the the other segment is the main setting uh 1955 is the year that albert einstein the dog and the film's namesake passed away so rest in peace albert einstein but the einstein the dog from back to the future I'm I'm telling myself that he's still alive and kicking, even though he'd be 35 yeah, don't, years don't, old. Yeah, don't don't look at, don't look that up. He's alive. Right. Yeah. He's alive. Yeah. So, like I said, we do we normally do the the random facts, but I I found an article and I'm going to try to share it through some one of our social media's uh, platforms uh, from a website called Den of Geek. And what this is is it's a few things in the film like um, that sequence, kind of like maybe something in Back to the Future one that ties into something in Back to the Future 2 or whatever, some Easter egg. So we can just go through a few of them. Um, so for example, in the beginning of the film, the number on the front of Doc's like garage shack that Marty's going into is 1646. Later in the film, we'll discover that this building is actually the garage of the Doc's original mansion, uh, is actually the garage of the Doc family original mansion, which is 1640 which a newspaper article in the opening scene told us had been burned down and the land sold off to replace with Burger King to be replaced with Burger King that we see as Marty skates off. So that's it. Just to start, that's the, the attention to detail in this script is insane. And people will tell you, people will be like, Oh, they'll find like one or two things that they don't think line up. But it, the attention to detail in this film is like something you could, you could see, war movies that are based on the most serious event of all time and they don't have the same level of yeah there was uh there was this thing going on on social media where you list five perfect movies and a lot of directors and um film creators a lot of them put this movie on there and someone was actually questioning the like loopholes and i forgot who it was now someone involved in this movie came out and pretty much made the best argument against it. So like you said, like this movie has so like the loopholes are all thought out. Right. Yeah. So uh, like another one, when the fundraising woman, uh, at the beginning of the film, when Marty's trying to, trying to make out with his girlfriend and this old lady runs up to him, not old lady. She's like a adult lady who runs up to him and hands him a leaflet about the clock tower. She says that the preservation society thinks that it should be preserved exactly the way it is. Unfortunately, by the act of handing Marty the leaflet, she inadvertently causes it to change. Um, it gives Marty his method of getting back to 1985, but in the process, Doc Brown's foot breaks off a chunk of masonry. This can be seen as still missing from the newly altered 1985 when Marty returns at the end of the film. So that's that's just, it's like I said, the attention to details, just absolutely insane. So uh, although it's not on, set on screen, the son of old man Peabody, the farmer is named in the credits. Oh, these are these are a couple of things where I just thought it was cool, um, like shout outs to to people that are that influence the film. So it's not said on screen, but the son of Old Man Peabody, the farmer, is named in the credits as Sherman, making their monikers a direct reference to the time traveling cartoon duo who originally first appeared on Rocky and Bullwinkle show and graduated to their own movie earlier this year. So uh, what is that? 
Peabody and Sherman or Sherman and Peabody or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's that's really cool, actually. I know that. That's really, really yeah. cool. So, and uh, similar to that, as Marty and Jennifer uh, cross the square after his failed audition, the license plate on the green car that they walk past reads For Mary, rather than being a cognitive reference to the third film's casting of Mary Steenburgen, it's actually a nod to Mary Radford, who was the PA to the film's second unit director, Frank Marshall. Another reference to one of the crew as a poster on the wall of the high school reads, Ron, Wat Ron Woodward for senior class president. Ronald Woodward was the film's key grip. And he'd also worked on with Zemeckis on Romancing the Stone. So I, lo I love stuff like that. And then uh, I have a couple other ones, but probably the most famous Easter egg in, in movie history. <clears throat> there are um, still people noticing for the first time on a rewatch, but the, the Twin Pines Mall as now, as Marty returns to 1985, after all of this, become the Lone Pine Mall, a consequence of Marty destroying one of Old Man Peabody's two pine trees uh, on the farmland that the mall replaced. It, it, it's our first subtle hint, if you don't know, uh, like we said, the break, broken masonry on the clock tower, that Marty's trip to the 1950s is, has, a, has a lasting effect on, on present. So I, stuff like that, I, I could... And I've seen this movie a hundred times and I still think I catch stuff every single time I watch it. So do you have any other random facts? I'm going to cut myself off there, even though I could talk. No, for you, hours. you, you killed it. Okay, cool. Crush it. The rock and boink little, little tidbit there with, uh, Peter Sherman. That's really cool. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going to try to find that article and at the very least send it to you, Joe, but hopefully share it on social media. Um, because there's so much stuff. Like I said, I picked out a few of them, but I think the article has like 50 things and, and it's crazy. So um, do you have anything written down for stuff that wouldn't fly in this millennium stuff that wouldn't, wouldn't go? No, no, okay. not really. It was, it's a pretty safe film. So I have, I have a couple things here that just that I want to mention and, and spin in, in what I think is the right way. So there's kind of the scene of, of a little bit of, not a little bit, this is a scene of the racism in the fifties with the mayor, uh, Goldie Wilson when he's in the diner um, and the guy says something like a black man's going to be mayor of this country and it's it's iffy because on the one hand it, the guy's clearly being racist but on the other hand it's positive it's the 50s it's also the 50s too oh no, well, oh, and, no. yeah but and he hears like like Marty knows that he's going to be mayor later on so Marty's like Goldie Wilson you could be mayor and then and then he's like yeah I yeah. could be mayor so it's like a positive <laughs> spin the only other thing I can't really put a positive spin on is Biff is a little bit aggressive with the rain in the car. Little rapey. See, I, I know I was actually thinking about putting that, but I didn't because it shows he's a piece of shit. Basically. Like yeah. it shows that part of it. Like it's, he's like not doing it as like a write off, like uh, in 16 counts, for example, like the whole, when she's like drunk and he's like hanging out with her like that, like it's almost like you're supposed to like be like, Oh, this is great. But you still go against Biff in this. Like he's up, he's being a piece of crap right now. Yeah. And unfortunately, people like that are out there. And I and I agree with that, that um, it does take his character from kind of like a dumb bully to like, oh, no, this guy's a this guy's a bad person. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's not a good guy. So um, favorite scene. What do you have written down for favorite scene? This is so hard to choose. All right. It's, I know this is going to be like this. Is, it's like worth to say, but this movie feels like one really long scene. <laughs> It's like for me, it's it's easy to pick out standout scenes in other movies, but with this, it's just like one great, great scene. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't change anything about the casting, like we talked about. Marjorie Fox is incredible in it. The rest of the cast is great. 
but I truly do love two parts of this giant scene, we'll say. The first being when Mari punches Biff and turns the kid's homemade scooter into a skateboard and leads yeah, Biff's crew right into the uh, manure. It's a classic scene. It is. Uh, Michael J. Fox just weeps of cool in this movie. He's just so awesome. <laughs> have you seen, have you seen, sorry to interrupt, but there's a shirt <clears throat> that you can get because throughout the three films, the r- recurring incident is Biff getting, you know, manure dumped on him. And there's a, there's a shirt online somewhere that it says like biff tannin like manure hauling or something oh, like that great. yeah but sorry sorry go ahead i'll oh, that after i kind of watch yeah um and then the other scene is kind of like a given it's when mari's on stage at the school dance rocking out first off like that school dance plays some of the best songs i've ever heard at a school dance yeah second uh watching michael j fox run around all around the stage just being as cool as ever playing johnny be good is just so well I guess good. It's like it's it's so fun watching him just like riff on that guitar. I love when he's like, "You guys may not be ready for that, but your kids will love it." <laughs> yeah. They have a, or is it Chuck Barry on the Chuck Barry's cousin on the phone? He's like, Chuck "Marvin, you're gonna love this." <laughs> it's your cousin, Marvin, Marvin Barry. Yeah. <laughs> I I yeah I have a, I have one favorite scene that I came up with, um, but then I have another thing that I just want to mention. But I love the scene where we first meet George McFly. And we see like in a diner and we see what a, just like a coward he is. Um, and I love that thing where Goldie Wilson's like, stand up for yourself, have some respect for yourself, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it makes me think of, of two stories. One of them, I hope my friend doesn't ever listen to this episode, but I have this one friend in my group who our whole life. So we've probably been hanging out as a group since like high school. So a long time now. And uh, he always just, he's always like the butt of the joke and, and whatever. And my friend, I used to box and my friends and I used to have boxing matches in my backyard. And this kid is not a fighter at all. Not a tough kid at all. But he was fighting one of my other friends who's, who's uh, also not a tough kid. And there's this video of me talking to him before they fight. And I'm giving him like the, the mayor Goldie Wilson speech where I'm like, I'm not gonna say his name, but I'm like, you know, like you just make a good showing here. Like just, you know, stand up for yourself. No one will ever give you crap anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes out there and for like five seconds, he's like, he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. And then he just gives up and steps out of the ring. And there's this, it's on video, like the look of disappointment on my face. I'm like, Oh, you loser. See, like, I think it would have been better if he just like took the punch and just, like fell to the ground at that point. Like at least he like was in there long enough to get hit, but like right oh. off. That's that's tough. <laughs> he didn't he didn't run off. He just like literally stepped out of the ring like he was just like, no, I'm done. I'm done. So and then the other thing that makes me think of is my dad had me when I was going into high school. My dad had me so hyped up like my my dad when I was going to high school, he treated it like I was going to prison. And he was like, he was like, if you let someone like you let don't let anyone pick on you, which I never did growing up. Like, I'm not like a tough, tough man, but like that was never a problem, but my dad had me all hopped up and he was like, if you let someone pick on you now, that's four years of high school. And we pick on you every day, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, it was like my first week of high school and I, you know, high school lunch, you go, you put your bag down, you go get your lunch, come back to your chair. And this kid had taken my chair and, uh, it was a kid I knew from hockey. And I was like, Hey Mike, uh, I'm sitting there. And he just ignored me just for like two seconds. And I ripped, I grabbed the chair and ripped it out from under him in the middle of the the cafeteria and he fell. And he was like, dude, like, 
calm down. And everyone is like, everyone was probably like, that kid's a psycho. But it was all because, <laughs> all because my dad had me like, Completely. Oh, dude! I was like I said, I thought I was going to prison. So, and then the the other thing, this isn't a scene, but I think I like to mention because I think about it every time I drive through this area, and you drive through it a lot too, is the transition of the of the town. I think of that now a lot when you know Joe and I live in Massachusetts, but pretty close to New Hampshire. And when I drive through Salem, I think of that now because you know you used to drive on twenty eight. It used to be the the old racetrack. So that was kind of like, that was the past. And then it seems like they knocked that down that they turned it into this crazy, like new complex. And it's, and you know, I, when I, I play hockey there near there, so I drive by there once a week. And, and that's what I think of every time is like that old racetrack was kind of similar to like the old man Peabody's thing. And then now it's like a, a huge strip mall. So, um, but yeah, no, I love this movie. So like you said, there's a million scenes that I could pick. So um, thoughts on the soundtrack. Oh, go ahead. Okay, no, no, we'll do the soundtrack next. I, I, do, I definitely want you to go first with something you change. But oh, I'll, do the, okay. I'll do the soundtrack. Okay. I'll do the soundtrack. Okay. Um, so this is actually a soundtrack I spent over $100 on through Mondo Vinyl. I'm not sure. I think I mentioned in the past. They released like a collection of all the records and really cool like designs um, in a plutonium-shaped box in 2016. Uh, they still have single the single film releases on their website. Back to the Future has one of the classic movie scores with one of the best movie themes of all time. Yep. Alan Silver Street is an absolute legend, and in a career-creating legendary film scores, this is his best. And speaking of final, final releases, actually the same company, Mondo, by the time this episode comes out, they will have a new vinyl uh, ready to purchase with the actual license tracks on there, like Johnny Be Good, Earth Angel. So if anyone yep. listens to this and they like records... It's, Check it out. These things, yeah, they, they hold their value. Mondo puts out a lot of collectible items, so it's cool to buy it. That's awesome. We have to spend hundreds of dollars on your third-party markets. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But yeah, film soundtracks, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and so just to go over a few of the highlights, uh, so Alan Silvestri, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Castaway, Polar Express, Forrest Gump, like his resume is a mile, a mile long. Um, he had two tracks from that. Also, obviously, Huey Lewis in the News, Power of Love, and uh, back in time, and Huey Lewis, and Huey Lewis is the in the scene where Marty McFly is like trying off for the school talent show, and he, you know, he like does like a crazy guitar riff on the electric guitar, and the guy's like, "We're all set, we're done." That's Huey Lewis. So this movie's it's it's just perfect. So, um, or like you said, Earth Angel um, from Marvin Berry, not Chuck Berry, in uh, the Starlighters, Johnny B. Good from Marty McFly in the Starlighters. Um, so yeah, the soundtracks, it's great. And it's even more impressive. I don't want to say it's easy to make a movie soundtrack if it stays in one decade or era, but to go from Huey Lewis in the news to Chuck Berry to, you know, that's, that's, it's just, it's just so well done. So you wanted me to go first with, if I could change one thing. Yeah. Cause I, okay. yeah, I had a little trouble with this. <laughs> You, I had a lot of trouble with this. Okay, so, I wasn't the only one, all right. No, all right. I would change absolutely nothing about this film. I wrote down a little note that, like, you could do, but I – so I'm really not trying to dodge the question, but I this film is perfect to me. The The casting, the script, the soundtrack, the runtime, it's perfect. Um, I If we could – if we did a thing where, you know, we rate things on a scale of one to five, I'm spoiling my score later, but 
if we could give like once every decade, give a movie like a six, this would be one of my sixes. I, it's, I think it's a hundred percent perfect, but I wrote down, um, this Marty's siblings. I would either, I could have dealt with them either removing them entirely, but that would have taken out the whole like fact of them disappearing on the picture or giving me a little bit more to either like or dislike them. They were just kind of like, you know, they didn't really do anything. So I, I could have dealt with, I guess you couldn't remove them because you would have lost the picture fading thing. So make me hate them or like them a little bit more. But there's that, that's something I had to like scramble and, you know, wait. I basically watched the movie and waited till there was one second where I stopped smiling. And it was when it was showing his siblings talking. So this movie is perfect. This trilogy is perfect. Yep. They cover up all the possible loopholes that could be questioned when dealing with time. I'm happy they never made a fourth film like those that people wanted forever. Seeing yep. them all in reunion appearances every so often is enough for me. This is one of those trilogies where every film has its fan base. And even if you like one more than the other, no one will argue against your opinion. And that just goes to show how well thought out these movies are. And, and, and I've, I've seen that with like, so like I was, like we said, I was born on the day this came out. So obviously I didn't see it in theaters. So even the fact that I like this movie so much is because it had been out 10 or 15 years before I could even kind of get it. It had been out 15 or 20 years before you could really get it, you know, and you, we still love it. I could show my, my like nephew this movie in a few years and he'll love it. And it's, it really is. It's, it's so timeless. And the trilogy thing too. And I think we mentioned this talking about one of the other movies, but um, this, I know that people like, they might like back to future one and two more than like the third one. But even people that say that they don't dislike the third one. It's not like the Rocky movies where like, you might say like, oh, I like Rocky one and two better. Three's okay, but by the time they got to five, I really didn't like five. This movie's like, it's just you love, you might l give, you know, a couple of them 10 out of 10 and give another one eight out of 10 or something. It's, you know. See, it's like, if I, I look at like Star Wars, <laughs> the original trilogy. There's A New Hope, you know, Empire and Return. And they're all amazing films and everyone has their own favorite. And that's how right. it's back to the future. I feel like like the Western setting, I think this trilogy is perfect. I, if I grew through all the films, it'd be a five for each one. Yep, but I think the Western setting kind of puts off some people because it's a change of like, you know, the city life and it's a whole, it's a change of environment, which this movie is based very around, very much around the environment. But I think that just shows how much, that just shows how talented they all are because they made a story in a Western setting completely from what they're, what they're used to from the past two films. And they made it into another interesting story and an interesting timeline. It's yeah, I can, and go I, on, I can go on all day about this. How me too. <laughs> this and, and no, just to follow up what you just said, I, I think that that is, there's something to be said about doing something like with the trilogy, they're all really the same layout of the film. Like it's, but they just do it so well and they tweak what they need to tweak and you know it's like if it was a restaurant equivalent it's like i hate when i go to a pizza place and they have this like new crazy twist on pizza it's like dude just make a cheese or a pepperoni pizza and make it really good i don't need to have like you know 
squash on my pizza. Skittles just, and yeah, yeah. pineapple. <laughs> right. This film is just, it's perfect. It's perfect and it's well done and they did it three times. So um, I, I think we kind of gave away our score. At least I gave away my score, but. Uh, I, said, you, I said the word perfect quite a bit in this first piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you never listen to this podcast, we rate scale, uh, movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep the movie? So a score of one is, um, you know, you see it, you get 20 minutes into it and you return it that night because you don't want to pay a late fee up to a five, which is I'm not going to return this movie for a few days. I might even just buy it from you guys because we're never bringing it back. Um, so on a scale of one to five, Joe, do you go first? You go first for this one, right? Yeah, what first. do you give this movie? I mean, a six, like you said before, before right. six, it's, it's a five. It is. Yeah. The movie is timeless. Like you said, loopholes are all thought out. It's, it's pretty much universally agree upon that. Like, this movie is perfect. And it's just like, it's, it is so well done. And we, the fact that Michael J. Fox pretty much overworked himself to be part of this franchise is also super inspiring. Cast is amazing. Cast loves their fans still. They love this movie. And this, and that's just like we talked about earlier, like merchandise wise and music wise. And I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to another movie like Back to the Future. Yeah. I, it's tough because I know we've both given other movies that we've, we've reviewed a five. And some of the movies that I've, and they're great movies. And some of the movies that I've given a five to, a lot of times it's like, it's a very, 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 very good movie that I have. I have like a, a sentimental, you know, tie to, or I really loved it, or I grew up with it. This movie is a movie that I grew up with and I have ties to, but it's also, like we said, we can't say it enough. It's a perfect movie. It's, it's so five, six, seven, whatever, whatever the max I can give it. I, that's my score. Um, I love this movie. I'll, and it, this is another one of the movies too, where if I meet someone and they don't like it, I like I don't revoke their movie card. Yeah, right, like I, you've it. your opinion means nothing to me on movies now. Re, that's like I have this. I'm not really friends with them anymore, not for this reason. But uh, this kid I, that I, I, I wouldn't friends. blame you though if you, if you yeah no for this reason. So. <laughs> no, that would be a totally valid reason. But <laughs> this kid that I used to hang out with, he used to like sell himself as like, oh, I eat his pizza, bro. I'm like the pizza expert and blah 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 and then every time i saw him he was ordering domino's pizza and i'm like you know no offense to domino's especially if you want to sponsor the podcast throw us a couple of <laughs> no but like if you if you eat domino's pizza frequently for any reason other than every other pizza place is closed and you have no options your opinion on pizza to me is just it's just garbage it's like if i was a cheeseburger expert and you only saw me eating mcdonald's it's like not the same and thing. we lost that Donald's sponsorship. Thanks. Everybody. Yeah, there it goes. There it goes. It goes to millions of dollars. <laughs> so before we uh, before we talk about the next film, I want to... Oh, real, one more thing. Uh, Burlington Beer. Uh, f- uh, Future Glow is amazing. So go ahead. Sorry. What is your favorite film in this, in this trilogy? Your favorite Back to the Future film? <sighs> I know, I know. It's, talking about the trilogy, how perfect it is, I, I, I'm kind of curious on what you think is, of all three of them, the best. Or your favorite? I'm not gonna say the best. Your favorite? I think the best and my favorite is one, but I will say, and I hope that someday we get to review the other films. Um, I think my, I think my two and three is a lot tougher for me than it is for a lot of people. I really, really like three, um, but yeah, one's my favorite. What about you? 
Yes, no, same here. One's my favorite just because I see it the most, I think. And again, such reasons might be the factor of that, but they're all great. But one, I probably watched the most. And two, which was <clears throat> two is becoming uh, kind of a, f- a fun in a way that it didn't used to be because now that we've gone past 2015 and they were like completely crazy wrong about some things, but then they were like kind of right about some other things. It's so two's two's got a, it's 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 gained momentum um, over the past five years. So um, follow, you know, you, the usual thing, I'm going to close the show with the usual closing thing. But like we said last week, you really have no choice as far as what episodes next, but um, follow us on Instagram suggestions. Always welcome. We'll be back next week and we're starting uh, it, and it's Joe's pick next week. Um, if you want to send us a suggestion, we'll ignore the message until after we record this episode. And then you'll cut in front of me for, for the, uh, the one after that, because uh, this one's pretty set in stone. Um, I already know what Joe's going to pick, but Joe, let him know. We're going to be uh, talking about Jaws, a film that Eric and I see once a year at Chunkies. Yep. And since we couldn't see it this year, but it's just another, it's, it's going to be hard like you said, hopefully your pick is like a crappy film because going from back-to-back classics, it's, it's I promise to pick after Jaws, I promise to pick a movie that's like very iffy. Not, not, it'll be at least like a niche thing. So yeah, another one of my top, top 10 for sure. So I'm excited for that. Joe's hoping to have this one up by July 3rd, the, uh, Back to the Future up by July 3rd. It but will be up by July 3rd, yes. Yep, he's going to do his best, and then we're going to do his, our best to get some other ones out to you guys um, as quickly as, as possible. But um, thank you guys very much for listening to my the episode of my favorite film uh, in history. So there, it's official. By the time this comes out, happy early birthday, Eric. <laughs> thank you, buddy. Appreciate happy it. Happy early birthday. I have a gift yep. and everything I'll, already planned out for it. I'm going to send you third so get ready for that is it a mcdonald's sponsorship with like a contract for no it's, it's actually domino's but we just lost that so oh. I, have to, like, I have to do a little editing for this episode yeah yeah just put in some <laughs> other voice over mine thank you for listening yeah thanks guys appreciate it